This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Necessary Roughness, brought to you by Southfield Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. With 11-year NFL veteran, Big Ten Offensive Lineman of the Year, and captain of the National Championship Michigan Wolverines, John Jansen. And 10-year NFL veteran, two-time Pro Bowl offensive tackle, and Super Bowl champion with the Green Bay Packers, T.J. Lang. Now, here's John Jansen and T.J. Lang. Well, the Detroit Lions have entered now, what, the second week of training, second full week of training camp, and they've welcomed the New York football giants to town for two days of intra-squad scrimmage before they play Friday night. And we won't see most of the starters, I don't believe, on Friday night in the first preseason game. This is an opportunity for them to go out there, get their reps in, as the starting unit, offensive and defensive lines. And we also had, so we're going to talk about that today, Unnecessary Roughness. We're also going to talk about the depth chart that was released by the Detroit Lions. Not really any surprises, but uh, some things of note. And uh, obviously going to bring in my partner, TJ Lang. TJ, did you like having the scrimmages between the Lions or Green Bay and another NFL team during training camp as opposed to what you might get in a preseason game? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, and I'll say this. Um, in my eight years of Green Bay, we never did uh, joint practice. Uh, really? Coach McCarthy was always like, this is our time. We want to do our things our way. Um, you always used to hear, you know, rumors about joint practices. You'd see clips uh, every year of – you know, brawls breaking out. And uh, the players, we weren't against it. We weren't against not having those joint practices because uh, you really didn't want to take any chances. Uh, by the time I got to Detroit, you know, I was a nine-year vet. I mean, that was my first time ever going through a joint practice. I did not enjoy it because you know very well, John, the training camp's different your first couple years as opposed to your last couple years. Your last couple years, uh, look, you're not trying to coast through training camp, but you're trying to survive for this. You're trying to get ready for the season, right? Yep. And uh, I think some of the veterans, sometimes you look at it and say, uh, whether this is right or wrong, you look at it and say, man, just, I don't want to get hurt, right? I don't want to go against, you know, a third string undrafted free agent from another team who has no concern for my health and my safety. He doesn't care. His team doesn't need me to make the regular season. Guys aren't out to try to hurt each other, but there's also not that, um, there's not that limitation to where, hey, we're practicing against our own guys. I can't, you know, bury somebody. I can't, you know, put somebody in a vulnerable position. When you're going against your own team, when you're going against another team, you don't really have that limitation. That's not in your head anymore. It's pretty much game speed. It's pretty much I'm going to do whatever I can uh, to try to smash your face in. And by the point of my career where I was a nine-year vet, I had no interest (laughs) in doing that. Uh, I went through a couple of them. You know, we went to Indy. I think we did one against the Giants. 
and the Raiders uh, the next year. Um, it is good work. I will say that it is good work. It does tr- it does kind of rev you up for the regular season because. Veterans, especially now, you don't really play many of the preseason games. You always go into week one of the regular season thinking, yeah, gosh, I hope I'm ready. You know, I I think I did what I needed to do during training camp uh, to be ready. But you don't really know. When you go through joint practices, you know, because that is as close to game speed uh, for a lot of the starters and a lot of the vets that you're going to get up until week one. So there are some positives that come out of it. But overall, uh, I think anybody that tells you, especially veterans, that they enjoy joint practices is just point blank lying to your face. Well, I don't necessarily <laughs> know that it's, and I probably asked the question wrong, it's not enjoying it. It's, did you get value out of it? And I think there's more value in having these practices, especially if you have a coach or for us, a position coach, an offensive line coach that understands, yeah, you need to get a few reps in, but you want to protect your vets. You're a nine-year guy. I had some of these more early in my career with Washington when we were we were at Frostburg, Maryland, or we were you know somewhere in Pennsylvania. We would travel over to Latrobe and play the Steelers. And early on in my career, I was one of those guys where I was trying to prove myself, and it probably was. Hey, I was going a little bit harder than maybe some vets were. You get to the end of your career, and you've got to have a measure of trust between you, your position coach, you, your head coach, but also the two head coaches. And I think that's what's unique about the Giants coming to town this week is Brian Dable and um, Dan Campbell, they do have a relationship. They know each other from their time in Miami, and I think there's a trust of, hey, here's what, what we want to get out of it, and they'll script a practice somewhat for what Detroit needs, They'll script the practice somewhat for what the Giants need, and they're going to protect a handful of those guys that, that yeah, you want to get some reps because you're not going to get them in the preseason game, especially since there's only three, but you've got to, you know, for lack of a better term, build up a callus a little bit so that you're ready for a full regular season game. Yeah, and there there's definitely benefit. I mean, there's benefits, heck of a lot of benefits for the coaching staff, for the uh, – Scouting staff for the yeah, scouting department. Evaluation. Not only not only looking at our players, but also looking at you get a, a chance. You know the Giants have ninety guys on their team. They're not going to carry ninety on their roster, right? You got a chance. Maybe there's a guy that's uh, going to be, be released from one of these teams you're having a joint practice with that you got to see uh, practice throughout two days. You got to see. Uh, what kind of habits they have, and and it's just a better way to, like you said, to evaluate uh, all the talent on the field. And as a player, look, I think I I did enjoy it. I mean, you get kind of sick and tired of training camp. There's always fights. Most of the fights come from you're just sick of hitting the same people day after day after day after day. You're eventually going to get beat. Guys have a lot of pride. Guys have egos. Uh, That's usually when you start to see scuffles a little bit. We didn't – I didn't hear any. I wasn't at practice yesterday, the first joint practice. I didn't hear any uh, scuffles coming out of there. I know there was some smack talk mostly between uh, what we call the little fellas, um, DBs, wide receivers, those type of guys uh, that don't really set the energy for your team. But um, you're right. I think as long as the players have a – uh, two-way respect for each other um, that, hey, I'm not going to try to bury you. I'm not going to try to embarrass you. I'm not going to, you know, cut your knees out, you know, on a, on a certain play just so I could try to win. Uh, these coaches are very uh, two respectable guys. I'm sure that they've had a ton of meetings about uh, 
you know, taking care of each other, not only each other, but taking care of the other guys as well, right? This is still a brotherhood, but it'll be interesting to watch practice today, John, because everything we heard coming out of Allen Park, and I wasn't there on Tuesday, was that uh, you would have thought the Giants weren't even trying. <laughs> some of the reports that that I was reading, I don't know about you, but uh, watching some videos, reading some, uh, you know, articles on, online and on Twitter, I mean, it sounded like the Lions – had a pretty good day. Now, I think they've got to be prepared for the Giants to show up, maybe with a little bit more attitude uh, based off of what was written about the first practice on Tuesday. Well, I did see most of practice on Tuesday, and I thought the Lions did really good, uh, you know, some, some really good things. I thought the defensive front, when it came out, and particularly the defensive line, was something I was looking at. Were they going to be able to hold up against the offensive line? Were they going to? And Lee McNeil is down 20 pounds, and that all sounds great, but you and I both know, hey, there's a big difference between being 305 and 325. Even though you may be still as strong or stronger, um, mass in the middle matters. And I was I was pleased to see that he was able to hold his own in there. The defensive front was for the large for a large part of practice able to stand up against the run. Uh, wasn't able to watch the one on ones because we weren't allowed down to where they were practicing and going through them. But by all reports um, that that have been you know in talking to Dan Campbell and some of the assistant coaches, the Lions did do extremely well. And a guy, just a few guys that I did see, obviously Amon Ross St. Brown. You know, coming into this season, there was never a question whether he was going to be a great player or not. But he is, I want to say, almost uncoverable because there were times where he was doubled. Um, they were doing different things defensively, and, and it's de- definitely in man. He created separation. He runs such good routes, and we know the that you throw the ball his way, 99% of the time he's going to catch it if it's a catchable ball, and he looked good. Um, I did think that the one thing I was I was curious to see, and we'll get into this a little bit more when we get into the depth chart that the Lions released, Derek Barnes, to me, and again, this is – training camp, and, and it's preseason, he's taken a major step forward. He's athletic, which we knew of. He was strong, and again, we knew of, but his reaction, his ability to fill holes, his, his ability to be in the right place at the right time was lacking in the first two years. And I got to be honest, I think he looks really good this year. Um, and he has, in my opinion, looked a lot better than Malcolm Rodriguez. He's bigger, bigger more athletic. And that'll be interesting to see how the linebacker position plays out. Uh, but we knew, even though they were down Frank Ragnow uh, yesterday, that the offensive line would be able to be dominant, and especially. And, and I wanted to see the matchups against this this New York front, but they looked dominant. And Jameer Gibbs, I could not. I don't know if I've been this excited about seeing a rookie <laughs> take the field because there was a lot of positivity around him. Oh my one. goodness, he's so quick and explosive and. I didn't even think about all the different ways that you can use them in the red zone. They had a red zone drill on Tuesday that he basically dominated. He was uncoverable when he got the ball. He made guys miss. He got into the end zone. Uh, and again, you're not tackling. You're not taking you know running backs down to the ground. You're not taking receivers to the ground. You're, not, you're certainly not hitting the quarterback, but he looked really good. Yeah, and there was, I think, one highlight of him uh, that I did see on social media just running right past uh, the Giants' middle linebacker, Bobby Okariki, who they spent a lot of money on. Um, and Jameer Gibbs kind of comes out of the backfield, a yep. little stutter step, and just flies right by him. There was another, 
uh, article I read that I think it's probably the same red zone drill you were talking about. Amon Ra was open. Uh, Gibbs was catching passes. Laporta, one of the guys said, I mean, it seemed like the Lions had somebody wide open on every single play. I mean, mm-hmm. that's a testament to not only uh, the playmakers and the speed that they've added to this roster, but something that we've talked a lot about uh, on our uh, the play calls, right? The design, especially when you get in the red zone, when you've only got, you know, 10, 15, 20 yards of field to work with, how are you going to get those guys in that position to make those plays where everything happens a little bit faster? But Jameer Gibbs, I think, was the guy that stood out. Everybody was talking about him. Everybody was talking about how his uh, his speed was noticeable coming out, whether it was coming out of the backfield or, or doing some of those things uh, on the receiving end. Um, going back to Derek Barnes real quick, I think, you know, it, he was a guy we talked about, you know, a couple months ago that he was in that category of kind of a make or break type of spot, right? Yep. I mean, this is, this is the point of your career where you've got to show that you're a, de- a dependable guy, you're a liable guy. Obviously, he's had a good start to training camp because he's listed uh, along with Anzalone as as right now the week one. It's not going to be the same depth chart, I don't think, in three weeks. Uh, but he's listed as that guy next to Anzalone on that first team defense ahead of Jack Campbell, ahead of uh, Malcolm Rodriguez. He seems to have all the tools, but w- you know just as well as I do, John. It doesn't matter. Everybody's physical. Everybody's fast. Everybody's strong. It matters. It's a matter of consistency, right? And if Derek Barnes can bring a more consistent physical style of play to that defense, um, he is going to have a chance to be that guy alongside Alex Anzalone. Yeah, and, and that's going to be, I think, and I, I think I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago um, on our podcast. I'm most curious to see how the linebacker position plays out because you've got Alex Anzalone who just signed a new three-year deal. You've got Derek Barnes who, as you mentioned, was on a make-or-break year who's playing well. You draft Jack Campbell in the first round. Malcolm Rodriguez had a lot of steam coming you know, through and out of last year. And it'll be interesting. Competition is really what we're after. And if Derek Barnes can raise his level of, of play simply because he wants to make sure he holds on to a job or is, is earning a starting position, it's going to put a lot of pressure on both Derek Barnes, Alex Anzalone, and Jack Campbell. I think those are your three main guys. We love Malcolm Rodriguez. He's a, he's a great personality on the team, and it's a great story. But I think his size is going to start to be a major concern for if he's able to hang with some of those other players that are in there. Yeah, and talking about some surprise guys, I mean, uh, there's been some guys that have hit our radar really the last couple weeks uh, throughout training camp and, and really the last couple days. I know uh, everybody was excited to see the, you know, Jameer Gibbs and Jack Campbell and Sam Laporta and some of those high-drafted uh, rookies this year. There's been a couple rookies that – have been standing out. I think the first guy that comes to mind is uh, Dylan Drummond. I mean, that's Eastern Michigan, man. He's got some dog in him, right? Um, You know, he's been standing out so far at training camp. I've had numerous people uh, reach out to me and say, man, this kid is having a really good camp. Like, he came in, uh, John, I think he did, like, the local pro day here. He came in as a tryout guy uh, during rookie minicamp, which – those guys usually don't make it to a training camp, right? It's kind of, hey, thanks for the weekend. We need some bodies for the other rookies. Yeah. Uh, you know, appreciate your time. Uh, good luck. He was good enough to be offered a spot through, to guarantee him through training camp and, and preseason games. And from all accounts, man, he is a guy that has really stood out. Uh, I think the speed that he brings, uh, a lot of people didn't really see that uh, coming. And just seems like he has secure hands, too. I mean, he's a guy that... 
every single day I've been out here at practice has been just making plays, whether it's in the red zone, whether it's in one-on-ones. Uh, he, he finds a way to get open, and I think he's really got a chance to add to that competition level at that wide receiver position where I think it was just last week or two weeks ago we kind of noted it as one of those being that spot that – you know, you got Amon Ross St. Brown, but what do you really have after that? You got a 12 year vet, Marvin Jones. You've got Josh Reynolds. You got Khalif Raymond. But who's going to stand out to be your top three or four guys? I think Dylan Drummond's kind of playing his way into that category. And then on the defensive side, you know, there's a guy, Starling Thomas, same kind of same story. He's an undrafted uh, free agent, kind of came in, worked his way up from the bottom. And um, he's listed as, I think, the second uh, slot corner behind. Um, I think it's behind C.J. Gardner-Johnson or behind one of those corner positions. He's a guy that uh, coaches and players have been raving about uh, his speed, his physicality, his ability to cover guys one-on-one, his ability to make some plays in the run game. I think the, those two guys that we haven't talked about, I don't think a lot of other people I've really talked about, uh, have really been sticking out so far throughout the first couple weeks of camp. Are there any other names that you have seen uh, up close in person that you say, man, I didn't even think about this guy, but look at him. He's out there making plays. Well, one of the guys, two guys that I'm excited to see out there, one, Levi Onzerike, just because we've we've heard for two years, like this guy could be a playmaker. Haven't seen it. And he's got a lot of growth that needs to happen because he's missed out on the experience due to injury. But he's looked good. And, and a guy that... When you talk to Brad Holmes, he'll use the term ahead of schedule, but still young. That's Broderick Martin, who they took in the draft this year. And early on in practice, as as you and I have both seen from young guys, a originally on on you know on any given day, he comes out and you can see what Brad Holmes saw when they drafted him. Like it's a player that's big, strong, physical, has the uh, some athletic ability for his being as big, big as he is, and can toss some guys around. And then you watch him and you say, okay, that's why he's a rookie. That's why he was drafted a little bit later. And that's the mistakes that come from inexperience. It's the mistakes from that you get baited into by lining up against a guy like Frank Ragnow. And, you know, he's going to bait you into some mistakes. He's going to get you to do things that he wants you to do that, you know, you wouldn't normally do. But I, I was surprised, um, pleasantly surprised, by Broderick Martin and what I saw from him. And here's the other thing. And we talked to Hank Fraley, Stoney and I did um, on Tuesday morning's show. Hal Vitae, by all reports, and Hank said it as well, is healthy. They released the, the depth chart, and he is the starting right guard. I'm just going to pause real quick to give our audience a, a live update. We've got one-on-ones going out out here. Now it looks like maybe two-on-twos, but we're going to get a chance to see Aiden Hutchinson over the highest-paid tackle now, Andrew Thomas, here in just a second. looks like two-man game coming. Oh, just a straight rush. John Kaminsky beat the left guard. I'm not sure who that is, but uh, didn't end up running a stunt. Andrew Thomas, I know you were excited to see him battle it out with some of these defensive ends. Uh, looked like he might have he gotten better with Hutchinson on yeah, that one. Yeah, he won that one. He, he uh, got, that was a good job. I mean, we're a little biased towards our offensive lineman. That's good enough for a win. Yeah. Um, that, was, that was cool, though, just to watch that uh, from our perspective and, and see these one-on-ones a little bit. But going back to Broderick Martin, I mean, he's a guy that I, – I was out here last week. I think it was last Tuesday. I was talking to some of the offensive linemen, you know, during a water break, and he, his name came up, and I was curious. You know, I'm standing, I kind of look at him, you're just like, the guy's just massive, man. I mean, he's a, Broderick Martin is a, a big dude, right? 
Uh, and I'm talking to Jonah Jackson. I'm talking to Vitae a little bit. And it just, hey, you know, give me the scouting report. What, you know, what, what kind of player is he? You know, has he got an attitude? Is he nasty? Is he mean? And uh, they said, yeah, he's, dude, he, he's, got, he's got a lot of potential. Now, the one thing with him, and I think you've even heard some coaches talk about it too, is the pad level can get a little high, right? Yep. The pad level can get a little high. You can let guys into his chest a little bit. And uh, at that point, it doesn't matter how big or strong you are, you're probably going to get moved off the ball by NFL offensive linemen. The one thing with Broderick, Broderick Martin, I would say, um, his hand placement looks to be uh, a lot better than normally what you see from rookies, mm-hmm. right? I mean, he's able to get in guys' chest. When he does it consistently, he's able to get in your chest. He's able to do that bench press kind of lockout, keep guys from getting into his body. Um, and make some plays in the run game. I haven't really seen much out of him yet as a pass rusher, but we obviously know that's going to come with time. Um, but he's a guy that I, I like that you mentioned him because even going back to draft night, a lot of people are scratching their heads. A lot of people saying, I haven't even seen a scouting report on this guy. Why are we taking him in the third round? Uh, right. And, and he's, uh, Hell, he wasn't even ready. He no, was getting ready I for mean, the party the next yeah, day. Yeah. He was, he was probably out there chilling. I mean, he was getting ready for the, uh, day three draft party, but he's a guy that, uh, certainly has come in and, and turned some heads. And, and even like Brad Holmes told you on your show, a couple weeks ago they're not he's not a guy they drafted to have a day one impact they want to see his development if obviously if he can speed that up uh he is going to get a chance to go out there uh early in the season to show that um you know he he can be uh he can be a useful uh piece uh, a valuable piece for this defense moving forward I want to ask you about one guy because as I look at the depth chart and everybody can find it it's at DetroitLions.com um they've got Aiden Hutchinson starting at defensive end Charles Harris is on the other side starting at defensive end. You've got John Kaminsky, Josh Paschal, both on the second team. And then you got to go all the way down to James Houston, who is third. And I, I know that James Houston wants to get more play as an every-down guy. I think he's going to, at least for the first few years of his career, going to be that third-down specialist. And that might be... That might be all he is. And if it is, hey, if he can continue to contribute the way he did last year in the brief time that we saw him, then more power to him, and and I'm okay with that. But the guy who's last on the depth chart um, at the defensive end position is Romeo Aquara. Have we seen the best and the last of Romeo? I mean, that's such a tough question. I mean, obviously, Romeo, is he had a couple really good years – Obviously signed that extension, got hurt last year, didn't end up coming back until uh, late in the season. And by that point, you know, I think they felt comfortable with rotation. Romeo didn't play a ton. Um, He's a guy that, look, I I still think he brings a lot of value to this team. I don't think he's uh, back at his form where he was maybe two years ago or three years ago when he was getting eight, nine sacks uh, a season. Um, But that's just kind of the nature of the business sometimes. I mean, it's unfortunate. Me and you have both been through it where, you know, the team can't wait for you forever, right? I mean, sure, their sympathy for a guy that's coming back from an injury might be struggling, but uh, the show must go on, right? And I think that uh, there were some other guys that throughout the last 10-game stretch last season proved that they can be uh, more reliable, right? You talk about guys like, we obviously know Aiden Hutchinson is going to be number one, but you talk about guys like, uh, you know, Pascal, who who sounds like he's making a year two step, and, and a guy like John Kaminsky. I mean, mm-hmm. he's shown that he can be a reliable guy out there. The coaches trust guys like that. They those are the guys that they want to put on the field. Now, if Romeo, at this point of his career, 
can sort of be like that. What you're saying with James Houston, where it's, hey, you know, we know you're not going to be a three down player, but if you can still provide a pass rush for us, a spark on third down, allow us to mix our per- personnel packages in there and try to confuse other teams, you're still going to have value if you can get to the quarterback. Uh, I just think that Romeo might be at that point of the career where he's going to have to start taking that. Um, eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Just just to heart, right? Just, And I know it's tough for players to do that. Uh, but if Romeo can say, you know what, I'm going to focus more on being a pass rusher, I'm going to provide a spark on third downs, he can certainly bring value to this team. And a guy like James Houston, if you're going to tell me, hey, we're only going to see James Houston on third downs or second and longs or two-minute drives, whatever it is, and he's out there getting 9, 10, 11 sacks, good. I, I'm happy with that, John. <laughs> I don't know. I think he's not a guy right now that I need to see out there saying, oh, well, he can't play against the run. I don't care. If you can come in and be a third down yeah. guy and, and consistently put pressure and, and disrupt the quarterback, uh, that's I don't care. That's a win. That's I, I will take that every single day. Romeo might be in that same spot where um, it might be that time for him to transition because that was not too many surprises with the top of the depth chart. I mean, obviously, you're looking at Vitae was listed against or above Glasgow. Brock Wright was listed above uh, Sam Laporta. We know rookies, hey, look, it's kind of this is the first up. one. You still got to keep earning it, right? You haven't even played a game yet. Um, but I think there were some more surprises, like you just mentioned, on the bottom of the depth chart when you see a guy like Romeo Aquara, uh, who everybody was excited to have back healthy, be enlisted uh, basically on the fourth string, if you want to call it. Um, that was a little bit surprising to me as well. And here's where I think the, the Lions have taken the biggest leap. Yeah, their their high-end talent is better than it was two years ago. There's no question about that. But their depth of talent, they're going to cut some guys – that are really good football players. And it's because they've finally been able to acquire some talent and they've developed some young guys. They've gone to free agency to, to shore up some needs. And they're going to have to cut some guys that are just, they're good football players. And there are going to be other, you know, uh, clubs around the league that look at the Lions roster and say, you know what, they can only put 53 on the roster. We're going to pick up some of these guys if they don't make that 53. And a couple of years ago, that wasn't the case. And a guy like Dylan Drummond, I'm hoping that he continues to be able to perform the way he is so that he's not free to be picked up by somebody else. But you see injuries. Denver's been dinged up with injuries at the wide receiver position. We see it, and we're going to see more of it throughout training camp. I think he's a guy, he's going to get an opportunity to show the rest of the league what we've seen at practice in these preseason games. And if he becomes a just a numbers casualty, He's not a guy that I think you say, well, you know what, if we, if we release him, we could bring him back on the practice squad. 
Maybe he is, maybe he's not, but that's where the Lions are right now. And I'm just using that wide receiver position as an example. But in the secondary, you know, hey, Jerry Jacobs is being pushed by Starling Thomas. Emmanuel Mosley hasn't even been on the field yet. You've got C.J. Gardner-Johnson, Brian Branch, Kirby Joseph, uh, Tracy Walker, Brandon Joseph. I mean, you've got a lot of guys. Will Harris, you throw him in there. Like, not all of those guys are going to make the team. But I do think that they're going to be on NFL rosters, and we couldn't say that a couple years ago. No. I mean, we were trying to find 50, 53 out of a 90-man roster. You're trying to find, <laughs> all right, well, you know, we might have 10. Um, you know, it's 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 amazing. I know we've hit on this uh, plenty of times, just the competition that Brad and Dan have been able to bring in uh, to this team. Uh, it's made everybody better. And look, they're not done. I mean, we just saw that with uh, with what the signing of of Teddy Bridgewater, right? I mean, the, yeah, that's that all be part. My next thing. That's all part of the philosophy of of trying to add uh, as much competition to every single uh, position group on your team to just drive each other and to get the best out of everybody. And that was something we talked about a couple weeks ago. I know you're a little bit higher on the priority of uh, having a good backup quarterback than I am. I can't remember the last time a team signed a backup quarterback and people were like, that's the last piece we need. You're like, oh, that's going to well, take us to the next level. Look, it does give us a little bit more comfort having that insurance of having a guy uh, that can be good eyes and ears for Jared Goff that can maybe even push him a little bit. Teddy Bridgewater started a whole bunch of games uh, you know, in, in the NFL, um, and he's going to help a guy, obviously, like Hendon Hooker. We know that, but that move for me doesn't really change the expectation or change the dynamic around this football team other than maybe you're going to get even a little bit more out of Jared Goff because, and I'm not saying there's going to be a quarterback uh, battle or controversy or anything like that, but there's going to be accountability. And there's, there's going to be a clear cut guy where look, if Jared got, you're no different than anybody else on this team. If you go out there and have a, a bad couple games, man, and you're just turnover machine, we're not going to hesitate now to put the other guy in. It's no different than anybody else, man. Hey, if you're getting your ass kicked, you know, seven, eight plays in a row, we're going to put the other guy in, right? That's just it's just business, and I think that now they're in a spot to be able to push Jared Goff a little bit, and and maybe that's what Jared Goff needs too. Maybe he needs a little bit of competition to uh, to to show that uh, or to raise his level of play to be at, at that high level of consistency. Well, and it also signals to me that the team has the same expectations that we do as fans, and we as former players know that their expectations in this building are always going to be higher than the fans uh, you know, want to give them credit for. But they expect to be a team that's in the playoffs. And uh, Jared Goff is clearly the better quarterback than Teddy Bridgewater. Jared Goff, if healthy, is going to start all 17 games. But if he's if he gets dinged up if there's a pulled hamstring a turf toe if there's something minor that he has to miss a half four he goes out lions are up 10 points you got confidence that teddy bridgewater can come in and still win that game for you if he has to miss two weeks you've got a guy that has starting experience that's been around he's going into his ninth year in the nfl who's very familiar with dan campbell and the the style of play the calls that he's going to make, you know, and we could go into, you know, Ben Johnson's offense, Dan Campbell's offense. That's not the point. The point is you're expected to make the playoffs. You may have to win a game or two with a backup quarterback, and I think we all feel better, more better, if you could even say more better. More better. We, we feel more better-er, better-er. Than, 
<laughs> than with Teddy Bridgewater going in there than Nate Sudfeld to win a couple of games. Yeah, I'm with you. And I, I look at it and I say, look, I think it was a good signing. I think it solidifies still don't know uh, the your details. quarterback room. No, you don't know the details. I mean, we just heard uh, rumblings. There were reports that it was finalized. We haven't seen anything as of uh, today yet. But, um, you know, unless something drastic changes, I think Teddy Bridgewater – it sounds like is going to be a Detroit Lion. Yeah. Um, I'm just at just for me, John. It's just one of those things where it was lower on the it was lower on the level of uh, holes that I think this team needed to fill. Still, right? I still would have loved to see them um, go you after. You want to go out and trade for Chris Jones? Well, that would be awesome. Or Aaron Donald. Yeah, I would. give me all the Pro Bowlers. That would be great. Aaron Donald's yeah, not available. Yeah, yeah. Chris Jones is holding out and may be available. He sent out a tweet that said, Casey, I love you, almost like it was, hey, I've enjoyed my time. Peace out. Run. Yeah, I'm, I'm demanding a trade. Well, I would love it, man. And I also, But I, you look at other spots, too, where – you know, there were just some a couple of a good, uh, you know, pass rushing defensive ends that were signed over the last couple of days. Uh, Yannick Ngakwe is a guy, pass rush specialist, yep. went to Chicago. Justin Houston, uh, who still had a tremendously high uh, a pa- or a pressure rating last year with the Ravens, uh, was was still a free agent up until I think yesterday. I just look at it and I say, man, what would I? What would be better for this team? A backup quarterback, or maybe going to get another one of these guys? Maybe going to get another pass rusher? Maybe going to get a, another wide receiver that can come in? Right. So I look at it a little bit different. I'm not. Yeah, but- I'm not hating on the move. I just think that there's still other parts of this football team that could be solidified before you have to worry about that. You ever been in a in a, in a car accident or or had a car dinged up? No. I'm a good driver, John. Oh, okay, wife, <laughs> somebody you know, you piece of happening <laughs> uh, i actually hey, backed my hey, truck into my teddy. other car one time so yes <laughs> teddy bridgewater is the insurance policy it is something you hope you never have to use and you could look back in in five years and say you know what they didn't have to sign Teddy Bridgewater. I wish they had gone and traded for Chris Jones or signed you know Kalis earlier in the season whatever it is it's the fact that you have him and he can get you in and out of a game. He can win a couple of games. He can he can stem the tide if you have to use that insurance policy, but you're hoping to look back in another five years and say, you know what, that was money that we we didn't need to spend, but hey, if you have to use it, you're glad you have it. Yeah, and look, I get it. I mean, you can make that argument for every top player on this team too you know you could make an argument it's a for, little more important at the quarterback I get it. position that's, that's the reason why but you can make yeah. an argument hey what happens if Panay Sewell goes do, do we need to go sign up you know high-end backup tackle hey what if we, what if we lose Amonrod? do we need to go sign somebody just just in case it happens look I get that the quarterback position uh, is the most important position so yes you want to solidify that first um, but look the bottom point is I'm not I, I'm kind of indifferent about the move. I know a lot of people were really excited about it and really thought, hey, this is the final piece. Um, I don't think I'm there. I don't hate it, but at the same time, I, I, I'm not sitting here jumping, doing jumping jacks about it, saying, oh, my God, like this, we're ready to go now. Um, I do think it was a solid move, and I, I, I still want to see the details first, uh, right? I mean, if this is a guy How much? That, how many years? Yeah, if they're giving him, you know, one year, 
$6 million contract. I'll be totally fine with it. I mean, if it's one year, $15 million, I'm going to be like, mm, might have been able to get a little bit something <laughs> to help your team a little bit better than that, uh, yeah. right? But that's going to be a conversation we'll probably have next week. Yeah. Um, did you see your boy on, uh, on Hard Knocks last night? I did not watch it. No, I didn't. I honestly totally not forgot it was on. You're not it was about 11 o'clock. You just o'clock. don't care about I, him anymore, I do just, you? I didn't have time. I, I've got I'll have a lot of time this family. afternoon. I'll catch up. <laughs> no, the hard knocks. Look, I know Aaron kind of hated on it. Um, he was good. I, I, I'm not a fan of A-Ron, a but he is doing everything he can to endear himself to his teammates, to, that, to, the, to the Jets fans, and giving themselves a chance to be successful. Uh, it, it hasn't turned the tide for me. I'm not saying I like him. I'm not saying I want to see him have success. But he's doing all the little things that you would expect a Hall of Fame quarterback that's coming in for whoever knows how long. But we know at least for this year, trying to win a Super Bowl and working with guys like a Sauce Gardner, telling him what he sees from an off from a quarterback's perspective to make a great player even better. Uh, Garrett Wilson. Uh, a, a Zach Wilson, who is, you know, hey, was drafted as their future at quarterback. He's coaching him up. He's being that mentor that you would exp- you would hope a guy with his skill set, knowledge, and perspective would be. And that's what I saw last night. Yeah, and that's a trait that um, Aaron has always had, and that was the biggest difference. Uh, probably between guys like him, guys like Tom Brady, probably fit into the same mold mm-hmm. um, than a lot of other quarterbacks have, right? And I think, the, obviously, I got a chance to protect Aaron, play with him for eight years. I mean, I got to see that every single day. But yeah. I would say, I, I, I haven't seen it yet, but I would say based off of everything you just described, uh, that's just who he is, man. I, it's it's not for show. It's not for the cameras. It's not for the microphones. Um, that's who he was every single day. And that's why, uh, you know, we had so many good teams in Green Bay. That's why he's had so much success because he's able to elevate uh, the play of everybody else around him. He's able to, he's willing to go help guys. Like you said, you kind of stopped yourself when you said, you know, you expect him to do these things. You don't expect a guy to go out of his way to mentor somebody. You don't expect a guy to uh, go out there and uh, do all the little things and help every single person on the team. Um, but you do appreciate it. You do hope that that does happen. It's not part of your contract that, hey, you've got to come right. in and mentor Zach Wilson. Uh, but to see him doing those little things, like you said, that's no surprise because uh, that's just – that's that's in my mind, that's the characteristic of his that has always separated him um, from a lot of other guys I played with. Well, we're going to get a chance to talk again next week. We will have, obviously, these two – Joint practices in the books. Looking ahead to, to the joint practices with the Jacksonville Jaguars. We'll also have a preseason game in the books, so we'll get a chance to talk about what we see, what we learned from it, and what the question marks still are as we head a little bit closer to the regular season. So make sure you stay tuned in here on Necessary Roughness for all your Lions information.